Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about discovering God's plan for our lives and addressing really those of you that are graduating, those of you that are leaving high school, going off into college, maybe college and going off into marriage and that sort of thing. I'm targeting you, but remember this as well. Uh, it applies to anybody, no matter who we are. So James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, this is what James said. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. And buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes away. For that you ought to say if the Lord will we shall live and do this or do that. And, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicings is evil. Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin. Now what hap is happening here is. James recognizes that fulfilling God's plan for our lives is the most important thing that any person could possibly do. And that's for all of us, right? Well, he also discovered that there was a kind of an attitude that existed among those people during that particular time. And really, it applies to everyone today, wouldn't you say? The Bible was written for all of us for today as well. And what he did was he addressed this arrogant attitude that they had by saying, I'm going to go ahead and plan out my life without God's input. Independent of God. Doesn't matter what God wants. Doesn't matter what God thinks. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And so he addresses them and he shares. I'm going to, there's four things here uh, that he points out. Number one. Look at what he says. Number one. It's foolish to plan our future apart from God. That expression there at the very beginning. When he says go to now. We don't talk like that. Go to now. We might say really? Seriously? Are you kidding me? Something like that. But he got their attention because he, he knew what he wanted to say to them. And they understood it. It's really foolish, he said, to plan out your future apart from God. Why? Number two. Tells us exactly why. Only God knows the future. Right? Who knows the future better than God? He knows it. And it would behoove all of us to get his mind so that we can know what's going on. When I went off to school at Ramah, um, I didn't realize that my job was going to be Let's say, not just the job, the whole plant shut down. I worked as a mill crane operator in Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company. Ran that mill crane. My dad retired from the place. And he had a good livelihood that he made there. I was making good money there at the time. And at the time when I left to go off to school, I had no idea about the future of that plant that it was going to shut down. If I would have gone by on my own understanding and my own thinking, I would have said, this is right for me to stay here. But God said, no, I was supposed to go. And so it's important that we follow God's plan because he knows the future. So, you know, in my thinking, well, my dad retired here. Maybe I could do the same thing. But God knew it was going to go down. The steel industry went down. Uh, number three, the right attitude that they should have all maintained was this. The right attitude is we should say, Lord, this is what I'd like to do. And as long as you're not going to give me a red light, I'm going to follow through with that. So, in other words, Lord willing, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'd like to do, etc., etc., etc. And that's what he's trying to tell them. Don't take matters into your own hand. Why? Because number four makes it very clear to us. All that boasting is really evil. It's evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And that's why he's trying to tell them to corral them in and just say, hey, hold on, hold the phone just for a moment here. Listen, God knows the future better than we know the past. He knows what lies ahead of us, and so he wants to communicate that to us. And so when it comes to seeking the plan that God has for our lives, it's important that we ask him, inquire of him to impart his thinking to us. Now remember this, he's may not going to give you a writing in the sky or anything like that, but he'll work with you on the inside so that you know. If you don't get a red light, then follow through. Now, God has a plan, and I, we don't have to go to the scripture. Look at Luke's Gospel chapter 12. We're not going to do the whole thing. Okay, to expedite matters, let's do it this way. This is the story of a man that boasted on himself. He's got these barns, he filled them up. And he thought, hmm, that's not enough. Maybe I'm going to get bigger barns because my land, you know, it's very fruitful. So I'm going to go ahead and build bigger, bigger, bigger barns. I have more and more and more and then I'm just going to retire and that's all there is to it. And what did Jesus say? Thou fool. Because once the barns are all full, tonight your life is required of you. He's, and Jesus said, now who's going to enjoy all that? I can answer that, his kids. Right? Leave it behind for them. But the point that Jesus was making is that it's foolish just to think that it's going to happen the way I want it to happen because I want it to happen that way when God knows a whole lot more than what we know. Now, God has a great plan for all of our lives. In the book of Jeremiah, familiar scripture, famous scripture, but I'm going to give it to you from the English Standard Version. Chapter 29, verses 11, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you. God knows the plans that he has for everyone. Not just Israel, but everyone. Declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Isn't that good to know? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with half your heart. You people have been well taught. All your heart. When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. But notice what the plan is. It's a good plan. Why would we want to seek a good plan? It's a great plan. And when we, you know, renew our minds to that fact, then we realize, wait a minute. If I do it God's way, it's a great plan. It's a better plan I can come up with. So let's do it His way. Now, someone might say, well, what if I don't know God's plan? Well, look, sooner or later, we're going to have to answer some serious questions, right? Like, where do I go to school if I'm graduating from high school? Where do I go to college? Do I go to college? Where do I go to college? Do I go to a trade school? Uh, if I do go to college, what do I study? I don't know but what, what I might want to study. I was very young when I went off to college. I just turned 17. And I started my first year at Youngstown State University. And when they asked me what I wanted to do, I just said, I don't know. I have no clue. It's difficult. I don't know. And I didn't know the Lord back then, so I really didn't know. But then also, uh, when I get done after my studies, and who do I marry? Where do I go from there? Right? And it would be nice if we could have some kind of divine revelation like these individuals. For example, you take Abraham. How did Abraham find out the will of God or the plan of God for his life? Well, El Shaddai just paid him a visit and talked to him and just said, hey, I'm El Shaddai. You're Abraham. You're Abram. You're going to become Abraham. I've got a proposition for you. I've got a plan for you and for your life. And if you'll follow it, isn't that what he did with Abraham? Absolutely. Now, just because he gave him that plan and told him what the plan was, you think it just happened? No, it took a lot of hard work, effort, and energy for him to stay focused and carry out God's plan for his life. So even though we may know the plan, don't think you're not going to be challenged because you will definitely sorely be challenged by an enemy. Then you've got a man by the name of Joseph. 
right? How did he get his plan? It was a prophetic dream, wasn't it? In this prophetic dream, he was shown certain things about his life, God's plan for his life. Well, guess what? It wasn't peaches and cream. He first found himself where? In a pit. And then from the pit, he went to where? A prison. And from the prison, he finally made it to the palace. So over his lifespan, you begin to see that God gave him his prophetic vision for his life. This is my plan for your life. But guess what? He was challenged along the way. He had to stay focused along the way to see to it that that prophetic vision came to pass. So even though God may give us the direction that we need to unfold the plan for us, it doesn't mean we're not going to be challenged along the way. Right? Absolutely. So as you see these patriarchs of old, and you see how that God unveiled his plan to them, it doesn't mean it was going to be an automatic thing. Now, another one is the life of Moses. Of course, everybody knows that his came by a burning bush. A bush that did not burn, and a voice came out and said, this is my plan for your life. And Moses came up with all kinds of reasons as to why he couldn't do what God told him to do. But of course, what did God do? Answered every one of his statements with what? He said, remember he said, I can't speak. I can't talk. I, I said the same thing. I can't talk in front of people. I told that to the Lord. I can't talk in front of people. Moses said the same thing. And what did God say? Who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? I'll take care of your mouth. You just do what I've called you to do. Then you've got Jeremiah. And you've got to love this guy. Beautiful section of scripture. Let's read this. Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 through 9. Jeremiah, he had a touch. Oh, this is powerful. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Where does life begin? Before the belly. Before I found, formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then sought, said I, ah, Lord God, I be, uh, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. How powerful was that? God had a plan for his life. The plan was unfolded. It was before he was ever born. And then when he was born, he began to live his life and realize what God had called him to do. He came up with an excuse as to why he couldn't do it. But God said, you think, if I've called you to do something, I won't supply the ability for you to do it. I will provide for you the ability to do what I have called you to do. Can you say amen? So no matter what it is that God say, say ordains for you to do, you've got this vision, you've got this prophetic vision, you might have a visitation. Whatever it might be, it doesn't mean it's going to be peaches and cream, but God will see to it that you're anointed and appointed and empowered to do what he has called you to do, and you will succeed when you put his plan to work in your life. Can you say amen? amen. Now, it'd be wonderful if we all had that. And you might say, well, I got an honorable voice, which I did. Driving down Route 11. Remember I said that how many, th almost 38 years ago, and the Lord spoke to me. Actually, it was 38 years ago, exactly. And the Lord spoke and said, you'll be the next pastor of that church. It was an audible voice that I heard, and God said that because I would not do it on my own. I absolutely told the pastor I would not do it. I refused to do it. But when I heard the audible voice, I had a decision to make. Will I obey God? Even though I feel inadequate, will I obey God? And I had to make that decision. Now you might think, well, that's wonderful, these kind of spiritual manifestations. Couldn't we all have them? That would be a wonderful thing as well. 
But you have to remember this. Before he ever said that to me, there were some things in my life that were going on long before that. I made a decision to walk with God, to serve God, to follow his plan for my life. Other things he told me to do. And then that came. And so that's what I want to get to. So, wouldn't it be great if one day you woke up and went to the mailbox and you got a letter and it said, Dante, go to Penn State University. Love God. Huh? Wouldn't that be great? Or then he came home maybe one afternoon from school or whatever and all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. He opens up the door and here's this choir of angels chanting, Mary Rachel, Mary Elizabeth, or whoever, Mary Mary. Wouldn't that be great? They're out chanting out there. A host of angels. Right? Wouldn't that be great? How many of you know it doesn't happen that way? Uh, besides, Adam's wife was formed. Our wives have to be found. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Right? We've got to find ours. Now, you think that's fair? Is that really fair? When it's time for that, shouldn't we just go to sleep one night and just say, Okay, do God, do your thing and wake up. Oh, hi. <laughs> Perfectly handmade just for you. Right from your side. Wouldn't that be great? But no, we've got to go find them. See? Whoso finds a wife. Okay. So what we're going to do is just quickly share with you some things that will help us discover God's plan for our lives. And it applies to all of us, not just graduates. All right. Let's start with number one. Some keys. Number one, walk with God. Walk with God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I know you know the verses. You probably could quote them. But listen to them again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I'm going to focus on trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? How can I trust someone I don't know? Can I trust someone with my life if I don't know that person? No. I'm not going to trust his advice, his counsel, what he's telling me to do. Trust the Lord with all your heart means I've got to walk with him to get to know him. I've got to be in his word. I've got to be in prayer. And I've got to talk things over with him and develop intimacy with him. Why? So I can know I can trust him. And you know what? We all struggle with this. But this is a factual statement. God has never spoken one word from his lips that has not been fulfilled. He has never lied one time. He's never exaggerated one time. There's never been one thing that ever came out of his mouth that did not come to pass exactly the way he said. Even when he prophesied hundreds of years before that it would happen, it still happened. God has never given us a reason to doubt his integrity for us to distrust him in any way. Right? Then why do we fail sometimes when it comes to, can I really believe God will do that? You see how that fallen state that we're in is really affected us in such a negative way now you may, be, may not be able to trust people but God you can trust I can trust he never gave us a reason to distrust him Numbers 23 19 says God not a man to lie or the son of man to repent if he said it he will do it if he spoke it he will make it good number two so number one walk with God make a decision I'm walking with God through this life I'm going to navigate through life by the hand of God. Two, surrender our will to God's will. Look in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. 
It is God who is working in you. God is working in me. God is working in you. What's he doing? Enabling you both to desire. Notice that. To desire. There's desires hidden in the heart of a man. And those desires are there because he's enabling you to desire and to do what? And to work out his good pleasure. So this, what this is saying is this. As we walk with God and work out our own salvation, which is the previous verse. That he will birth within us desires. A desire to do something. I never had a desire to go to Bible school. I never had a desire to pastor a Pentecostal church. Never, 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 never. I had different kinds of desires. But once I became a child of God. And once I learned to know God. And follow him and showed him that I was surrendered to do his will. I would say I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. That's when all of a sudden on the inside. You have birthed within you these desires. Where do they come from? They come from God. I believe he chose me. You know how he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? And the base things, right, of this world? To bring to naught the things that are not. Remember, Corinthians says that. He chose someone like me because I wasn't in seminary. I wasn't some theological school or anything like that. He pulled me out of a mill crane and just said, I'm going to do some things in you that you can't do on your own. I'm going to do them in you and through you if you'll just yield yourself to me. And as a result, you're going to be blessed on the earth. And you know what? It's exactly what he did for me. Why? Because I was willing to be yielded to him and surrender my will to his will. So in other words, number one, I want to know you, Lord. And number two, I've, I'm giving you my will. I'm going to live for you, to serve you, to honor you all the days of my life. Number three. Oh, let's before that. Look at Proverbs 19.21. And this is from the Amplified Bible. Many plans are in a man's mind. Can you relate to that? Can we all relate to that? Amen. You know, when I was a little one, I was going to be an NFL player. NFL football player. I was going to play for the Cleveland Browns. I was going to beat all of uh, Jim Brown's records. I was going to be six foot two. I was going to go to Ohio State University first. I can go on and on. Many plans are in the ma in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that stands. That's what's going to stand. Is that what your purpose is for me? That's what's going to stand. It'll stand the test of time. It'll stand the challenges of the world. No matter what comes our way. When I know I'm in the will of God. Yes, I'll be attacked from every direction. But I stand whether I'm in the pit. I stand whether I'm in the prison. I stand knowing that one day I'll be in the palace. And serving the living God eternally. And be rewarded. Number uh, four. Or number three. Renew our mind with the word of God. Romans 12, 2. Very important scripture with regard to the plan of God. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice God's plan involves his will threefold. Good, acceptable, and perfect. We all should strive for the perfect. But you can't get there automatically. It happens progressively. Okay, this is good. Now this is acceptable, but this is perfect. And so when we let the Lord know, I'm surrendered to you. I want to do your will. I need to renew my mind to the word. I need to know what your word declares and says. Because if I can't find your will and do it here in the Bible, how can I do it when you reveal it to me by speaking to me or whether a dream or a vision? But look at 1 Thessalonians 4.18. There are many scriptures I could have listed here, but I just chose this one. This is the will of God in Christ concerning all of us. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse... Uh, 5 and verse 18. In everything give thanks. 
In everything give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. I'm thanking you, Father God, that although my body's being attacked, I'm thanking you that I'm healed by the stripes that Jesus bore for me. I'm thanking you that even though my, my checkbook is being attacked, you supply all my need according unto your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you that I am one who can say that even though I may feel weak, I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I thank you I have direction to my spirit, illumination to my mind, and I will fulfill the purpose that you have for my my life. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Notice this is the will of God. You couldn't be clearer than that, could you? It is His will. I thank Him every single day for the food that I eat, the water that I drink, the clothes that I wear, uh, the money we possess, the house that we live in, the cars that we drive in, every material blessing He blesses with in this life. We thank Him for that. But above that, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus we've all been blessed with. He blesses our coming in, going out in the city, in the field, in the basket, the store. He makes us the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. Thank God He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He made us more than conquerors through Him that loves us. That's a lot to be thankful for, wouldn't you say? I want to thank you that I know you, that I love you, I obey you. I thank you that my children know you and love you and obey you and serve you and walk with you. I thank you that we can be a close-knit family, not just on earth, but eternally. Can you thank God for that? Hallelujah. Amen. How beautiful is that? It doesn't end here. Death doesn't have the final say. You talk about thanking God for something. I thank you that death does not have the final say. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? That your family will be together eternally. And that you'll meet each other in the sky, in the air. You know, they go before us, but we're going to meet them there. Oh, praise God. We could preach that for a long time. Okay, next. If we uh, obey what he has revealed to us. In the scriptures, we're going to be obedient to do what he tells us spiritually. Okay, number, number four. Obey the general revealed will of God. And whatever that general revealed will of God is, make sure you do it. Number five. Recognize how God has wired us or wired you or wired me. How has he wired me? First Peter 4 and verse 10. Why am I saying this? Because... We all have certain gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of us given to us by God. And they're there already. He's already programmed us a certain way even from birth. And as every man has received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We all have a manifestation of the grace of God in all of our lives. You may be better at one thing and I'm better at another thing. God has gifted you in this area but not me. That's why Brother Chuck is a perfect administrator. You know that? He's a perfect administrator. I'll tell you what, years ago when God spoke to my heart about him being our administrator at our church was a time when there were not administrators in churches. There were people vying to be the associate pastor with the intent of becoming the pastor. Overthrowing the pastor and taking over the pastor for themselves. Did you know that? Yeah, this is a doggy dog world over there at the house of mercy. Mm, I'm telling you right now, it's a doggy dog world. It's like in sports. I want your position. I want to be the running back. No, I'm going to be the running back. No, I'm going to be the quarterback. No, I'm going to be the quarterback. I'm going to sneak in the back door. I'm going to take that away from you. Okay? But when God spoke to my heart about him being the administrator of the church, he took all his skills and abilities that he had when he worked in the mill at Crucible as an administrator there and as a, in a superintendent, you know, being in that position. And he brought those skills here and used them for his honor and his glory. And these are the exact words that God spoke to my heart the day I walked in his house and stood there, uh, right there with his wife standing there. I mean, I walked in the door. It was one of those suddenly moments. And the Lord said, it'll take him a moment to get a hold of it. But that's what you're preaching. But he'll be a tremendous asset to this church. Did God's word come to pass? That prophetic word? Has he been a tremendous asset to this church? Would you say 
Uh, absolutely. And how did that happen? God had a plan. But what did he have in him? He used what he had. The abilities, the gifts, the talents. Trust me, you don't want to hear me sing. All these up here, let them sing. But not me. That's not my gift. All right, let's move on. Number six, listen to the Spirit of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Isn't that good to know? He'll show you future events. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us by the Father so he can show us certain things that are to come. Then in Romans 8 verse 14, what does it say? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So in other words, God has already sent his Spirit to do what? To help navigate us through this life. And if we will learn to listen to him, then praise God, we're going to have a good plan unfolded for us as we live our life upon the earth. On the other side, of course, it's going to be future glory. And we thank him for that. Then the next, listen to your heart. Psalms 37 sometimes is misquoted by people. I want to give it to you accurately. Psalm 37 verses 4 and 5, King James Version. Delight thyself in the Lord. Get excited in the things of God. Walk with God with excitement and anticipation. And he will give you what? The desires of your heart. That desire, in other words, will build and build. And where is it? It's in our heart. Commit thy way to the Lord. Now notice, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When I went off to college, you know, I was, like I told you, really floundering. I didn't really know what God wanted me to do. I started in this and changed over to that. I finally got into um, engineering, mechanical engineering. And I thought that might be a field that I would like because I was good at mathematics and all that. To be honest with you, I was on the dean's list at Youngstown State University in that, in that field. Certain things happened, certain things unfolded, and I didn't finish school. Actually, during that time, the reason why is because I got a good job with my dad down at the mill running a mill crane, and it was making more money than college graduates were making when they got out of school. So I thought, well, hey, why should I do this when I've got that? I got a great job. I'm working six days a week, seven days a week, making good money, got good benefits. That's when you had all kind of good benefits. And it was through the company. So why would I want to do something else? So I, I, I thought, that's it. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. My dad did it. I'll follow in his footsteps. I'll do the same thing. Well, God had a different plan. He had a different plan. And he birthed within me a desire because I was walking with him. I got saved. I gave him my heart. I really gave him my all. I mean to tell you, you've heard me talk about my, brother, my friend, Brother Jose Feliciano. Not the singer. Not Feliz Navidad, Hosanna. <laughs> but Brother Jose, just talked to him recently. You know, what a wonderful individual sharing some things with me. And just sharing some truths with me, it just created within my spirit a hunger and thirst. I'll never forget the verse. We're sitting on, up on top of the mill, 30 feet up in the air, and we're sitting just on the ledge because it's so hot up there. It's summertime. It's so hot. All the graphite's up there getting in your eyes and your ears and all that. You look like a raccoon when you get done because you've got these glasses on. When you get done working, you look like a raccoon. So we're sitting out there getting some fresh air instead of breathing in all that graphite and all that that's up there. 
And here's what he did. Um, well, you talk about a verse of scripture that's got life. You talk about life that's in the word. I heard him speak this word. My brother, I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God's prepared for them that love him. When he spoke those words, you talk about penetrating words, they pierced my soul. Something in me says, I want to speak the word like he just spoke the word to me. I want to know the word like he just, like he knows the word and spoke the word to me. And it caused me to get in my Bible, open it up, study it, commit the scriptures to memory and just, I was set ablaze and on fire for God. Something was birthed on the inside of me. And, and, and trust me, when I say this, I say this with all humility within my heart, okay? The reason why I said I would never pastor this church 38 years ago, because I was not qualified. I was not qualified, didn't believe I was qualified. I wasn't in seminary or anything like that. I wasn't a theologian, didn't know anything about Pentecostal ministry, anything like that. But I was on fire for God, okay? I was born again in 1976, October 1976, and pastoring this church three years later in 1979, how does that happen? How does that happen? Unless God's in it. Some people are even through school to take on a position like that. My point is, when God's in it and God does it, He equips you to do it. You see, it's all of God. And so when people say, how can you have such a successful church over here where you're at? And what land is this? No man's land? There's no big city, no big community or anything like that. How in the world can... I, I just say, it's all been of God. Nothing to do with me. Look, we started with 35 individuals in this area where when I was in Youngstown, you know what the people said? Start a church up here. You got 35 people at least in the Bible study and also you got family up here. You can start a church bigger than that. When you started, I said, first of all, it's not what God said. God didn't say start a church in Youngstown, Ohio. He said, come to Midland and do what I'm telling you to do and I will bless you. I will be the one to bless you. See, people could do what they want to do, make up their own plans it will not succeed. But when you do it God's way, praise God, you'll have success. So when someone says anything, I just say, well, it's all God. I take no credit whatsoever. Look, we have 35 people. That including cat, dogs, and mice. All 35. That was it. That was the number. But God did something. And it was miraculous. Where are we at? Number seven? Or number eight? Okay. Listen to godly counsel. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Listen to godly counsel because others have gone on before us. I would just listen to Brother Hagin's teachings on why people never have fulfilled in their lives the will of God. And how some ministries, they die prematurely because they never get into the phases of ministry that God has designed for them. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. So in other words, if you associate with people that will always, let's say, for, let's say they're non-believers. Let's just say that they don't follow God and they lead you astray down the wrong path and that sort of thing. Guess what? You're going to fall victim to that because evil communications corrupt good manners. And you know what? You may be taken down a path that can tarnish your testimony, ruin your witness for the Lord and delay God's plan in your life. And so that's why it's important to gather with people like here, like Precious Faith, gather with people even in friendships, even in high school that you can stand shoulder to shoulder in the things of God because you can feed off of each other if one can chase a thousand two can put ten thousand to flight right one standing alone can be easily defeated but two can stand back to back and overcome and the threefold cord is not easily broken and so when people come together you feed off each other amen and, and you impart to each other 
And so it's important to realize that. Surround yourself with people that will influence you for good. So just think about it. If, if Joseph in that pit would have become discouraged and walked away from God and said it's not worth it, maybe he doubted the dream that he had, but he didn't. He stayed with it and he succeeded. In closing, um, look at Proverbs chapter 16 because I believe this verse is instrumental in every human life to help them accomplish the purposes of God. In the Amplified Bible, it says, roll your works upon the Lord. Father, what school I go to, what I study, who I marry, I'm rolling all that upon you. I'm not going to worry about any of that because I know it's going to unfold line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm trusting you. I commit and trust them to you. In other words, I believe in you. And I believe you have a plan for my life. So I'm, I'm just going to cast the burden of all this on you. So what will he do? What is he committed to do? He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. So shall your plans be established and succeed. God will cause our thoughts to become agreeable to his will. How will he do that? Does it matter how he does it? If it's an audible voice like I heard? If it's an inward witness. See, my steps, the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered of the Lord, ordained of God. My steps didn't start coming here. My steps started when I said yes to Jesus. And then when I went to church and said, I want to participate and do something. I want to surrender my will to God. I want to advance the kingdom of God. When I studied the word day and night and got into the Bible, sometimes people say, how can you memorize scripture? Well, first of all, I think part of it's a gift of God number one. But another one was I was always with my nose in the Bible, always reading scripture. I was always impressed with scripture. One day I found myself in that little church down there when, in Midland when, when I first came and just went on a, like a three-day fast because I was scared. I have to admit to you, I was scared pastoring a church. I had no idea what to do, okay? And I found myself on my knees, just like the, if I was sitting right there facing this way in that church, opened up my Bible to the book of Revelation and I just, on my knees, just kept reading it. I was so impressed with what it said. It just impacted my life. I saw a book written within in the backside, sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice and saying, who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven or earth or beneath the earth was, uh, was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. No one. And I wept much. One of the elders came up to me and said, weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, he has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of a throne stood the Lamb as he had been slain, seven eyes, seven horns, seven spirits of God sent forth in all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand. And when I was reading that, it just, I can envision and I can see Jesus walking over, taking the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And we took the book, the four and twenty elders fell down, the beasts fell down, and they began, they brought their harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, and they began singing a new song. You are worthy as the Lamb to take the book and loose the seals thereof, because you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation made us kings and priests before our God, and we shall reign in all the earth. I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The number was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. And then, then, every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature on the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them is, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power. And the beast said, Amen. The elders said, Amen. I'm just, I'll tell you what, just there weeping before the Lord. That is an event that you and I are going to be a part of. You realize that? 
So let's make everything that we plan out in this life be His plan so that we could be a part of that company and that one day join the heavenly host in just declaring blessing to the God that we serve. It, the scripture just meant so much to me. I embraced it. I loved it. I had to know it. Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. Can you say amen? amen. So young people, high school graduates, college graduates, just kind of contemplate some of these things. But let that be a part of your daily devotion. Father, thank you for causing my thoughts to become agreeable to your will that my plans are established and succeed. You know why? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless. <music>